Welcome to BIV Today, the daily business podcast from the Business in Vancouver newspaper and from BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Today on the show, Osh. Today on the show, actor Joshua Jackson of Dawson's Creek fame joins BIV Today to talk about his company as well as Vancouver's entertainment industry. But first, we're hosting a number of events over the next month that we'd like to share and we'd also like to see you at. Anyone wanting to sell a business will no doubt want to find the best price for their company. They'll also want to make sure that they find the right buyer. On May 8th, we have a panel of experts who will walk through how to do both. The discussion will also cover common mistakes and how to avoid them, how and when to begin preparing for a sale, as well as advice from people who are very familiar with the deal-making process. The event is called Finding the Best Price and Buyer for Your Business. It's part of our Business Excellence Series and will be hosted at the Vancouver Club. On May 14th, our next BIV Talks event examines money laundering in BC. You can hear directly from Peter German, author of the Money Laundering Reports commissioned by BC's Attorney General. We'll also have the CEO of the BC Real Estate Association on our panel to talk about the implications for that sector. Canada is preparing for the second wave of cannabis legalization, as are investors and businesses. On May 22nd, our Cannabis 2.0 event will size up the players, the products, and the opportunities in this expanded market. There will be a lot to talk about. You won't want to miss that event on May 22nd. And finally, ride-sharing appears to be on track to come to British Columbia later this year. You can join BIV for an introduction to the road ahead with BIV presenting Talking Ride-Sharing with Lyft. That's May 29th at the Vance City Theatre. For information on that event, for tickets to that event, and all of our events, visit BIV.com slash events. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV Today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher. You can listen to all of our episodes over at BIV.com. And for more business news, visit BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks for listening. My guest today has more than 20 years of experience in the entertainment industry as an actor, director, and producer. Joshua Jackson's work includes roles on Fringe, Dawson's Creek, and The Affair. That experience no doubt informs his other work as chairman of Liquid Media Group, a global studio with assets in gaming, visual effects, and cloud-based content creation technology. It's a mouthful. (laughs) Liquid is based here in Vancouver, where Joshua joins me today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. How often are you in Vancouver? Uh, well, right now, quite a bit because the because we're in a pretty exciting sort of launch phase for the company. So I'm back and forth quite a bit. My mom still lives up here, so I would always be up here. And then ski season, I I would if the company wasn't here, I'd probably be here <laughs> uh, like three four times during ski season. Yeah. Um, but right now, it's more. Fair enough. Now you have roots here. Obviously, mm-hmm. grew up here. And is it fair to say you kind of grew up in your career as Vancouver's film and TV industry was growing up? Mm, I mean, it predates me by a little bit. I think the beginning, really, of the Vancouver film industry was more in the 70s. Uh, that was when it really sort of kicked mm-hmm. off and, and moved out from the East Coast. But yeah, I mean, I, when I started my career was right in the beginning of the X-Files era, <coughs> which I think um, really put Vancouver on a map as a place to go and do quality work, which maybe we weren't getting before. We were sort of getting the, the scraps, and because of the dollar, it was cheaper to come up here. But... You know, that's literally 30 years ago now, and we have only increased the capacity, only increased the talent base, 
and frankly only increase the quality of the work that we're doing. I mean, some of the stuff that is being done here is at the very highest level of what's being done anywhere on the planet. What do you think we're known for? What are we on the map for? Well, I think we're known for good crews, right? Beautiful locations and really robust infrastructure. The the attendant, pe- well, you know this because you do this. We're here, yeah. So all the attendant pieces that you need um, to make a production happen are not easy to spin up, right? Some of them take years and years and years of, and lots of money. Some of them take, you know, skilled tradesmen and craftsmen um, to be able to make them functional. So that the fact that we have the Foley stages, the ADR stages, the visual effects houses, the physical effects houses, all of the attendant things that you need, and the fact that those people have been doing that for 30, 40 years, right? There's a, a knowledge and a breadth of, of in the history of the city of being able to do that well. It makes this one of the most attractive, if not the most attractive filming location in the world. And it's in the same time zone as L.A., which really helps. And it's in the same language as L.A., which really helps. So it's got a lot going for it. What do you think of our moniker as Hollywood North? I love it. I know people think that we should try to like rebrand ourselves, but I think the probably the greatest piece of branding in the history of the world is Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> right? I mean, when you say Hollywood, which was a housing development, right? When you say Hollywood, you think entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. It is not even really the neighborhood that it is like that the signs above, right? It's right. just a total branding exercise. And so for us to be associated with that, I think is great because that's the truth. I mean, we are, we have our own, you know, our, our Canadian industry is here too, but the, the higher level work that we're doing, the higher quality work that we're doing is on par with anything that's being done anywhere else on the planet, right? There is no gap in quality. There's no gap in skill ability in Vancouver to wherever else you would go. Where do you think we find ourselves at this point in time? The industry's grown up considerably. It's now a multi-billion dollar space. <laughs> yeah. Where are we? What do people see and where do you think we can go? Well, I think we are at a place where I think all of Canada is actually going to have to make a choice here in the next little while. I think the country is going to need to start to moving up to move on from being uh solely in the extractive or not solely but predominantly in the extractive industries Mm. and right now the canadian government has been amazing about uh nurturing and fostering the talent base in canada right they have there's lots of federal money um poured into the arts there's lots of uh the tax code is incredibly encouraging towards the industry both in bc and ontario actually all over the country (laughs) and i think that's good and i think there's probably a couple more things that the federal government could do to incentivize people to stop investing in, you know, moonscaping Alberta and build out the infrastructure of this industry because the the global demand is actually about to spike again, right? With all of the, the streaming platforms that are about to come on, there's we are right now at the, you know, what's supposed to be called peak TV. It's like 450-some-odd hour-long shows, not animated shows, not half-hours, not reality shows, just 450-some-odd shows on the air last year alone. And that's without Disney+, Plus, Apple, uh, well, Warner Brothers hasn't come online. Like, the, like there's just a, going to be another massive step up. And so it's going to be, somebody is going to service that demand. And I would love for it to be Vancouver because I think we have all the competitive advantages. And part of why we created liquid media why we created YVR was to give the private sector the ability to be able to invest in this three and a half billion dollar industry that's already here is that part of the solution we're having a national conversation now about how to reconcile a resource yeah. past <laughs> with the new 21st century yeah. economy 
and different parts of Canada have very different views on how to do that or whether we should do it. Right. So it's part of talking about the opportunities, the key to that transition. Well, yeah. So, you know, the stepping outside of just this company and obviously I want my company to be successful. I, you know, I also want to have a planet. Should I have children? I want to have a planet that, that my kids will be able to have something that looks like the life that I've had. Right. Um, we have a lot of parents in the company and it, we are, you know, we have already passed the tipping point where the world that we grew up in is not going to be the world that we see to our children. Pardon me. And I think it's time for us to move on from that, right? I mean, we're, we're the frogs sitting in the boiling water. Why don't we just turn down the heat a little bit? So I understand that there are whole cultures and communities built around that, right? That the identity for quite a lot of people in Canada is built around <coughs> mining, timber, oil, gas. And so that's scary. I totally understand that. And so much of our our national understanding of ourselves, right, is as, as rugged people who, you know, are out in the wilds in the north. And I think that's beautiful and we should encourage that. But I also think that we we can talk about our culture and arts as something that is core and central to who we are and how we think about ourselves. And we don't talk about, like, when I was growing up, I was even in the industry and nobody talked about being an actor or being a grip or being an electrician or working in set deck, right? Like, I think my my recommendation in high school was to be a boilermaker. That was what they told me I should be. <laughs> so... <clears throat> and I'm sure I would have made a fine boilermaker, but but we need to talk about these industries as real industries because they're here and they're not going away, right? I think there's been the conception even inside the industry that it, that you know we better you know get it while it's hot because it's all going to go away at some point, mm. and it does cycle like every industry cycles, right? So I'm not saying that it will constantly be growth forever and ever and ever, but these are real good union jobs, and the hours are hard, definitely. Um, but there's enough work here to bring, you know, a new generation of people into the industry and have these like good, decent union jobs that are, that should be the, the crown jewel of what, we, and they, you know, they don't add really any emissions to the, to the atmosphere and they don't moonscape an entire province and, you know, they don't leave a giant tear in the ground. So I, I, yeah, I think we have to be better at telling that story and be just take more pride in what we're already doing. That sentiment you mentioned that we better strike while the iron's hot, that we should, you know, seize the opportunities while they're here. Do you think that stems from the fact that a lot of the businesses may be reliant on American capital, American production houses? Totally. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, yes, absolutely. And there have been downturns before. And we're Canadians, so we always kind of like expect the other shoe to drop. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, um, you know, I started working in 1989. And I don't know how many productions were in town at that point, but I would be very surprised if it wasn't like a third, a tenth of what's here now. I know that last year was the single largest year for production in BC, which is significant. I mean, mostly the lower mainland. Mm -hmm. And like I said, there's about to be another massive spike in demand for content. So if you look at that and you say to yourself, we shouldn't invest in this because it w- it's going away. I think you're, you're reading the signals wrong. Mm. Tell me on that note, how you got involved with liquid media. Um, it's Danny's fault. <laughs> <laughs> we were, we were actually sitting in my trailer in somewhere on like the phrase about, I can't remember where we were shooting, but um, somewhere out there. And 
we were just having a conversation about the future of the film industry. So my, I, I'm pointing to him like everybody can see it him, but they can't. Yeah, account. exactly. <laughs> so Daniel Cruz, one of my partners, we've known each other um, uh, since we were kids. And he went the total opposite direction for me and got into the, the finance world and, and uh, became a stockbroker and did all of that stuff that I don't really understand. Um, and we were just talking about the business and how I was, and I was kind of giving him this pitch, you know, like the business is really changing and, the the gatekeepers, you know the the old the old studio system is, is kind of was kind of at that point unraveling, right? Because the demand for content had grown so rapidly and nobody could really fill it, and because the larger studios had become parts of other companies, right? They weren't totally in the film business anymore, and so there was an opportunity for other people to come in uh, to this new landscape. And you know, obviously Netflix has done a pretty good job of that. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> They've done all right. But but what they also did was totally scramble the the way things are done, mm. right? And we were just talking about that. And I think it got his mind turning of like, well, wait a minute. And so he went and checked um, the the indexes. I'm like, well, why is, why is there essentially no exposure to capital markets in the capital markets to media and entertainment? Um, on the TSX, say for instance, and it's there. But as a as a piece of the overall pie, what you, you told me yesterday, Danny, that you looked again, and it was like seventy seven percent oil mining. Oh no, weed. Yeah, marijuana. Yeah, marijuana. So seventy yeah. seven percent of the private money raised last year went into marijuana. Okay, which is great. <laughs> the, it's amazing that the biggest drug dealer that you know is your banker now. Mm -hmm. That's just like we've come a long way, baby. Um, but. We, we in this province alone, there's a three and a half billion dollar industry, right? That's just happening under our feet, and it happens every year, whether we want it to or not, right? It's mm -hmm. going on, and Ontario has another three ish billion, something like that. These are gigantic numbers, and yet we're not investing in 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 that sector, right? Why why are we? I mean, it's great that we have all this work coming from the south, right? It's great that we are able to keep all of these production companies going and keep all these people at work and continue to expand the business. But why aren't we taking an ownership stake in the thing that we're already doing? So that's sort of where the thing started. So like I said, Danny's fault. What do you think prevents us from, <laughs> from owning that? I think, I think it's mostly a failure of imagination, right? It, Traditionally, you couldn't, right? There wasn't an opportunity to be co-invested in, in a big movie that was coming up here. There wasn't an opportunity to co-own a show with Warner Brothers that was airing on Fox, right? But those, but the, it's just that all that stuff is scrambled now, right? And the streaming platforms do business in a very different way. So it's created new opportunities. And so it's, it's failure of imagination and, and risk. I mean, it's expensive to get in this business. I mean, there's, there is risk to it. So you have to be willing to, to stomach that risk. You have to be willing to ride that out. We're known for visual effects mm -hmm. here in Vancouver, around the world. We're a top destination for that. As one example, a lot of productions come here to film. Mm -hmm. What's our story now? What should we be owning and what should we be driving toward if we want to really own a bigger piece of this story? Well, I think we should promote ourselves to the further up the food chain in the production process. <clears throat> As it stands right now, we are mostly work for hire, Right. There is no reason why we can't be uh, conceiving of selling these ideas and then producing the work ourselves. There just isn't. There's no reason for us not to recognize the quality of our talent as at least co-equal. And so it, it's actually, for me, it's not even a zero-sum game. It's not like we have to win this and like take business away from the Americans. 
I actually think that the, the pie is really growing so fast right now. There's space for everybody to get a slice, right? And I just really want Canada to stand up and say, well, we're here. We're doing this already. And we're actually really good at this. So we should have a seat, a real seat at the table rather than waiting for somebody else to bring the work to us. What are some of these new opportunities, these new market segments that you're potentially looking at? Well, <clears throat> I mean, the, the convergence of, of film entertainment and gaming is happening right in front of our eyes. The, the advent of the cloud and cloud gaming, <clears throat> which isn't new, but is becoming more and more ubiquitous, that's changing the way people interact. The fact that we keep a supercomputer in our pockets at all times and <clears throat> the, you know, the bandwidth now we have available to us allows us to stream a full movie and play a game <laughs> at the same time. I mean, these are inconceivable things even five years ago and that when we're just about to have 5G. So who knows what that's going to be? Um, so I just think that the, all of the different silos of the business it's not really that the market sectors have changed or expanded. I mean, I guess cloud infrastructure is a new thing, but it's that the the pie has grown so fast and the and the lines have gotten really blurry, right? There's the I'm of the opinion also that stories don't really live in a specific silo of of exploitation, right? That a game and a movie and a TV show to me are all just different ways to tell a story. And so I think you you're going to see more and more and we want to be a part of this, the idea that you can have something that lives in multiple spaces, right? That if you're a fan of something, you can engage with it in multiple different ways. And, you know, as a fan of things, I love that, right? It, it's more rewarding for me to be able to touch it in a, a variety of different ways and engage with it in a variety of different ways. And I think those silos are breaking down um, for a variety of different reasons. So I just think we live in a really interesting time. And, you know, for us, what I really want is, you know, we, sp <laughs> we spent the last couple of years sort of positioning ourselves for this paradigm shift to happen. And then it kind of happened a lot faster than we expected. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were, you know, preparing ourselves for the next two or three years for the big players to sort of all shift into a streaming based world. And then they just all decided that, nah, we're just going to do it now. Everybody wants it now. Um, so this is a, an amazing time for us. I mean, the, the opportunity for us is incredible. The opportunity for everybody is incredible. And I want us and I want other Canadian companies to be at the forefront of this, of this new world. It touches on a good point. We're a nation of small businesses and mm -hmm. we have a challenge in scaling up companies, mm -hmm. which you might need to be of a certain scale to really tackle the opportunities you're talking about. Where does liquid maybe fit into that? picture well that's definitely true i mean and that's part of you know that's another thing that we want to be helpful in solving here so the 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 entertainment landscape in vancouver is fragmented across 400 some odd 400 plus uh different studios so in one way that's great right that's a lot of different people attacking problems in a lot of different ways that creativity um it's great to have it expressed like that you know you know, the it's like a little cauldron the more the more the better but it also means that that's probably too many for, for the size of the business here. And it means that a lot of studios are sort of getting to a level and can't take that next step, either because they don't have the floor space or operating a larger business is time consuming. And mostly these are not, you know, business head people who got into this. They're artists and creators and they don't really want to be dealing with their accounting as they scale. That's not the part that interests people, shockingly. Um, and so I think we can be helpful in that because, you know, that is a problem, right? Getting to scale is a, is a big problem and, and maintaining yourself then at scale is a big problem. And the, I mean, so that's the, the scaling portion on the companies, but the other real problem is we don't invest in ourselves. 
right? And that it's going to take that. I mean, that's why this conversation started with Danny and he has a finance background because if we invested in the same scale that we're investing in oil mining and gas in the entertainment industry, we wouldn't be Hollywood North anymore. We would just be Hollywood, hmm. right? And we have the capital. It's not like Canada is going broke, sort of. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the money is here, right? The investment community is here. It's not that we don't have the ability. We just haven't focused on this sector as a thing that we want to encourage. I mean, that's not that's actually not fair. The, the federal government has been very encouraging, right? And the provincial governments have been very encouraging. So I don't want to say that. That's over the top. But, but there is a next step, right, that I think can be taken that will that will make this sector seem as attractive as another oil patch or the tar sands, right? And that is the, I, I, you know, that to me is the final piece that has to unlock. Like, we, it's all, the business is here, so let's just take advantage of it. Is that direction going to come from government or is it going to come from the private sector? I think it's probably going to take both would be my guess, right? So our company is listed down in the States. That's not by accident because... This is an easier conversation down there. And I think right now, like I said, there's portions of the tax code that are really made to make the extractive industries attractive to investment. And I think that if you leveled the playing field, right? If the, so the, if the government came and leveled the playing field between, say, entertainment and media and the extractive industries, they were doing, that's their job, right? And that's, that's what they can do. And then it's our job on the private side to, to go bang the drum, right? You need to be invested in this. You need to have exposure because the the reality is if we're doing three and a half billion dollars of service work, which is a lot of money, <laughs> it's just a huge, huge number, um, that three and a half billion dollars is getting turned into some other much, much bigger number, right? It, nobody in the entertainment industry is doing it for charity. So if they're willing to spend three and a half billion dollars to build something, you can be damn sure they're not expecting to get three and a half billion back, right? So the real value of of what's going on here is not three and a half billion dollars. It's mul multiple many times that, right? So, so that to me is the failure of imagination, right? It's not just investing. It's like the long tail of entertainment. Danny uses this example all the time of Deadpool. Deadpool spent $50 million in, in Vancouver. That's awesome, right? That's so many people employed. Film money basically goes directly into the local economy. Very little of it actually leaves, right? Above the line money maybe, but you know that's $50 million that got spent here. That's great. That's incredible. But that movie grossed a billion dollars. So that's also great for somebody, but it should be great for us, right? Like we should have the ability to take advantage of the work that we're already doing. We see this often in the tech sector. You have governments signaling that that's a sector that should mm -hmm. be important to investors, which they are. We have a number of private companies that are doing great things in tech. Mm -hmm. They're doing that. The capital, very, very good at assessing opportunities and resources. Yeah. And quite conservative mm -hmm. here in Canada. Not as open to taking risks as, say, American counterparts. Yeah. And what we see sometimes is talent and companies heading south. We lose talent. Or they become American companies and come back and they, right, right. Yeah. So, do you see that in the entertainment industry? Well, yeah. I mean, that's one of the more frustrating. I mean, you're looking at the product of that, right? There was a, there was a, pardon me. Um, there was a glass ceiling to what I could achieve here as a Canadian actor. But if I went to the to the states and was successful down there, I could come back and be a successful Canadian actor. <laughs> so, um, yeah, you see that all the time, and you know. 
money likes to tell you that it's conservative and then it spends, you know, a trillion dollars investing in marijuana. So bullshit, right? I mean, seriously, it's just not true, right? So if you're going to tell me that every single one of those was vetted by a serious gray hair and they all are going to pan out, it's just utter nonsense. That is a stampede of people trying to chase the hot thing, right? And, and uh, you know, ultimately it's beneficial to society. I'm totally in support of it, but you cannot tell me that that's all rational money that's going in that direction. It's just not. So I don't want the entertainment industry to become the next bubble. I'm not advocating that, but I am saying that we, tr we, we have a tendency to rewrite history to satisfy ourselves, right? So there's nothing more speculative in the world than a mine. That's not a, that's not, it's just, you know, the chances that that's actually going to work are very, very, very slim. Mm -hmm. but we talk about it like it's a serious investment, <laughs> real business. And we talk about media and entertainment. And so it's like, oh my God, I don't know. It's just like, uh, it's not real work. You know what I mean? And that's just not the case. So that's the failure of imagination that I'm talking about, right? You can totally inv invest in your weed stock. Good for you. I have no problem with that. But if you're telling me that this three and a half billion dollar industry that's already here up and working is not worth your investment, you're missing the point. And yeah, that is why we listed in the States, right? That's why we're on NASDAQ because that appetite for risk, for adventure is greater down there. And that has its own downsides, right? But you know, I really, really, really want to break that that failure of imagination that I think happens up here. Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Where do you see Liquid's role in, say, the local market? Might it be providing financing for some of these smaller companies? Mm -hmm. Might it be through acquisition? Give me a little bit of a sense of your <clears throat> business model plans. Well, it's both. So the, I mean, we want to be nurturing talent, right? So for some of the, like for on the acquisition side, there's, like I said, there's a lot of studios that reach their their upper boundary, right? And have the desire to grow. Not everybody does, and that's fine, right? But for those that do, they reach their upper boundary and then they're kind of stuck. And we can be helpful in unsticking you, right? Because we can, by putting pieces, by putting intelli intelligently selected pieces together, you can make them more efficient. And you don't have the redundancy of like, well, these 10 guys have to keep the light on in this office and these 10 guys have to keep the lights on in that office. If we just made it one 20-person office, we would be much better off. Um, so there's efficiencies like that where we can be helpful to, to uh, local creative types. Uh, and then, yeah, investing, absolutely. I mean, we it, it's not in the first phase of the plan, but we, want, we will want to get into the development business and we will want to empower and encourage voices, right? So whatever your story is, whether it's, a, whether it's a game, whether it's a movie, whether it's a TV show, whether it's a comic book, we don't care. But if it's good, right, and we, and we think it's cool, then, yeah, we absolutely want to be empowering local voices and not just on the creative side, like all the trades and skills are, you know, I've spent 30 years on a set. So to me, and this is important that the like broader public doesn't know how much work goes into it because it, it ruins the illusion. But to me, those trades and crafts and skills, that is the, the beating heart of the business. And it's what the competitive advantage of, of Vancouver is. You cannot just take that and put it someplace else. You can't spin that up, right? That local knowledge. And so I think... You know, I really want to uh, reward that talent base and uh, and bring a consistent and growing amount of work here that that talent base has the uh, the ability to to show its trade at the highest level. When it comes to showcasing local talent and local voices, do you foresee more opportunities to highlight Canadian content and Canadian stories? Well, sure. <clears throat> so, 
you know, one of the amazing things about Americans is that they're probably the first people in the world who have no shame about telling everybody else on the planet story, right? None at all. And that's problematic in some ways, but it is an incredible thing to say to yourself. Like, I am allowed to tell any story that I want, even if I have no, I know nothing about it, but it is my right to exploit this story. And partially, this is not quite answering your question, and I will answer it, but I would like Canadians to start thinking like that too, right? I don't think that we need to limit our imagination to say, okay, it must be Canadian content for it to be a Canadian piece, right? Like, why is... Um, you know, Batman, an American movie, if it's 95% produced by Canadians, right? It's, it's an American movie because Warner Brothers puts its name on it. But it's filmed here, right? It's all of, all of our technicians. We did all the digital work. We, like, so why is that an American movie? So I want that failure of imagination to go away too. Like, that's our stuff. Now, we don't pay for it, so we don't get the ultimate, the, the ultimately to say that's ours, but that's ours. Like, we did that. <laughs> we built that. So that's one side of it. And then, yes, absolutely, we should also be promoting Canadian movies, Canadian stories, Canadian TV shows as co-equal, right? There's nothing about, there's nothing produced on the BBC that a Brit would be like, oh, well, we wouldn't put that on American TV because, as you know, that's American TV. And Americans have more money to throw at this stuff because the market's bigger. But like I said, these streamers need content. So why don't we just raise our own production values just a little bit and then present our stories as valid for the rest of the world, right? That, and that's the CanCon side. Like, there's no reason why our stories can't be co-equal to American stories. Fair enough. I understand your gaming division is mostly based in New York. Yeah. Well, the publishing side is in New York. And then the, the developer that we use mostly is based in Toronto. Okay. We, of course, have gaming companies here in Vancouver, mm -hmm. a smaller industry than what you'd find in New York, of course. Do you foresee opportunities in Vancouver around gaming? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So we're like... We are in this launch phase, right? And so we are in the go out and turn every stone phase of, of looking for partners and development studios and titles and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, we're a Vancouver-based company. We are going to not be solely focused on Vancouver, right? We will always look for opportunities wherever they lie, but it will be the we will look here first. This, that will always be in the mission statement of the company. We've talked a lot about opportunities for Vancouver and Canada, but globally, when you look at entertainment as a whole, what are some of the biggest opportunities you see? Well, the biggest one is that um, the entire industry just decided it's going to, to shift to a primarily streaming-based model. And most of those streaming platforms have no content library. So there's no value add for them to take your $10 out of your pocket every month unless they start spinning up a lot of material, right? And I'm pretty sure Netflix is spending more than the next three studios combined next year on original content, which is a very big number. Big money. Yeah. And they recognize that, right? Like if they don't have a library of content, even though they're the behemoth right now, if they don't have a library that you can sit there and be like, eh, I don't know, well, maybe, oh, I like that, then you're going to stop paying your now $14.99 a month. <clears throat> So the opportunity in the in the broader industry is like, well, we they're going to need people to tell stories and mm -hmm. quickly. Um, so there's this there's going to be there is not going to be there is this massive dash to fill those the cupboards of those streaming platforms. And then the other thing that streaming has done and national territories still make this a little bit difficult, but the industry is globalizing more and more and more and more. And so. There is no such thing yet as a truly global platform, 
because you have to have all these rights deals with the individual countries. Um, But that will happen. I I do believe that eventually we're going to get to like global platforms and they will be localized to a certain extent. But when that happens, you'll also have much more availability to find the rest of the world's stories, right? You won't be so like right now, everybody watches America's content, but nobody really watches anybody else's content. (laughs) And I think that's going to change, right? I think it's going to get simpler and simpler and simpler to find um, the cultural content of the rest of the world, which I think is an, an amazing benefit. If you look around the world at fastest growing populations, they're not in the West. Fastest no. growing middle classes, not in the West. Yeah. Most capital, huge economies that are in Asia. Different cultures, different kind of content. Totally. Different film production sectors. Yeah, I mean, massively different, right? Even the physical production side, like how it's shot. I mean, it, it's industries that grew entirely independently. Um, and yeah, you're talking about billions of people who are telling their own stories to themselves, but I'd like to peek at those stories, right? I'd like to know what's going on there. And I think that the as we move to like a, you know, a more globally based entertainment culture, I mean, move to, we're, we've kind of moved to it, right? There is a global culture, but it's actually getting easier for it to talk back. Right now it's been very much in one direction <laughs> and it's getting easier for it to talk back. It can't be ignored anymore. Right, I mean, it can, plenty of people do. I mean, it's a crazy time to live in the States right now, but. But yes, I think the like shouldn't be ignored. it shouldn't be ignored exactly non sarcastically, yeah it's it can't be ignored and it will become you know those voices will get louder and louder and more proud which is great right the the expectation right now is still like America makes the best stuff so we'll all watch the American stuff and our stuff is kind of like eh, well, it's like okay but that will change and 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 we'll all benefit from that that's a that's a better world to live in it's an exciting time to be in the space it certainly is. Thank you so much for coming on the show. No problem. That's it for our show. Thanks for listening to BIV today. You can get notified of new episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes or Stitcher. You can listen to all of our episodes over at BIV.com. And for more business news, visit BIV.com. I'm Haley Wooden. Thanks for listening. 